Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. I'm your host, Josh Schneps. We're continuing our bounce around the city to hear from people that our ears are to the ground and know the most about their communities and see how they're faring, what they're planning, what they're doing. And I'm excited to have the head of the Hudson Square area, which uh, has really transformed from Manhattan's former printing district into a thriving creative hub. The innovative and imaginative area within the district is Clarkson Street on the north, Canal Street on the south, 6th Avenue on the east, and West Street on the West. Ellen Baer has been the Hudson Square Bid's president and CEO since 2009, so clearly I've seen a lot since that time. Under her direction, the Bid has led Hudson Square's transformation from a 20th century industrial district to an authentic 21st century neighborhood characterized by environmental, social, and economic sustainability. Prior to joining the Hudson Square bid, Ellen developed and implemented public-private real estate partnerships in New York City and nationally for over 25 years. So Ellen, it's great to have you uh, with me. Thank you so much for taking the time. Sure, hi. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about Hudson Square and, and certainly you know, how it's transformed since you've taken over the bid? You know, I think that when I think about 12 years ago, coming to this neighborhood, you know, when you say that the the northern boundary is Clarkson Street. Probably a good portion of your listeners don't even know where Clarkson Street is. And we have all <laughs> sorts of names of streets here like Van Dam and Charlton and King. And when I came here uh, 12 years ago, it really, really did feel like an industrial area. As you mentioned, it was the previous printing district. And at the time, these beautiful Art Deco buildings that had, had been built in the 1920s, right around the time the Holland Tunnel was built, that sits in our midst also. At the time, it was kind of empty. Uh, there was no greenery. It really felt like a place for loading and unloading for cars and trucks. The Holland Tunnel's presence here, the, the uh, entrance to the Holland Tunnel going to Jersey was a really dominant presence. And uh, the neighborhood just didn't read people. And now, boy, does it ever read people or in the normal times it does. So talk about how that transformation started. What was like the impetus? What was like a big driver to the change? Well, you know, the, some of that was organic because the buildings, these loft-like buildings, they're beautiful buildings. And the creative company started getting attracted to the buildings, the sunlit spaces, the low mm -hmm. rents didn't hurt. And sure. creative companies really started peopling the neighborhood, but it wasn't a neighborhood. Um, and it wasn't going to reach its potential without the public areas being developed as well. So the bid was formed. I remember when we were formed, we were supposed to address three things, traffic, the retail environment, and streetscape. Traffic was an interesting challenge because I'm, I can't do anything about the experience of the tunnel-bound commuter, nor frankly mm -hmm. do I care. Mm -hmm. um, what I care about is how does traffic affect the flow of goods and services in the neighborhood? And mostly, how does it affect pedestrian safety and sanity? Yes. Um, so that's sort of what we focused on, and we use streetscape uh, improvements as the tool to do that. So give an example of some of the streetscape improvements. We have developed a new way. It was considered at the time, uh, eight or nine years ago, was considered the platinum standard in urban forestry, a new way of planting trees with widened tree pits and permeable pavement, and it soaks up a lot of water and the tree canopies get bigger. And we have planted or retrofitted over 300 trees. That's mm. transformative. 
We've also created a few new parks. Uh, we're creating a, a, a boulevard of sort of outdoor living rooms along our stretch of Hudson Street. We're really making the streets a place where people want to walk, want to sort of amble from place to place. And we're making the open spaces really suitable for people to go and socially distance if they must or be social if they care to. What are some of the landmark businesses, whether they're retail or commercial in your district? I do want to cite, first of all, for your listeners, that we are the home of a lot of radio stations, mm. uh, what's now called the Odyssey stations, which is uh, the CBS radio, Winds News, uh, The Fan. I'm a big WFAN listener sure. myself. Um, and New York Public Radio are here, along with um, a whole bunch of other radio stations. So we have those. Um, and we are predominated in general by media companies. So Horizon Media is here. Viacom has offices here. Uh, we have advertising companies. We have uh, Edelman Public Relations is here. So we have a lot of, we're really predominated by media companies. And then around that, we have other kinds of tech companies that are thinking about, you know, new ways of doing, we have New York Genome Center, for example, which we hope is going to cure COVID. We have uh, you know, all co- with TripAdvisor is here. So we have lots of different companies that are in the tech space, predominantly mm-hmm. media. So talk about some of the bid services to support businesses, particularly, you know, the rough patch that a lot of them have gone through. Yeah, we actually, it's kind of interesting that, you know, there are 76 bids in the city and I think 75 of them provide supplemental sanitation services, by which I mean, they pick up litter on the street. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. didn't do that before COVID. We were really formed, we're unique in that we were formed really to do this kind of creating greenery and and creating a neighborhood out of uh, a place where there really was none. So we had, uh, the only sanitation services we had were we maintain all the improvements that we install. So we build a park, we maintain the park. We plant a tree, we maintain the, the, the the permeable pavers around it. So um, we've had to amp up our, uh, during COVID, we've had to amp up our maintenance services a little bit to do uh, more litter maintenance. We've been very hands-on with our, our retailers. We're just trying to help save them. We actually financed and installed what we call parklets, which are sort of custom outdoor dining spaces uh, that we provide to even to grab and go places or to, to any of our outdoor eateries that want them. We provide the furniture and, and we build wow. the space out for them. That's terrific. That's a great service to provide. It is. We gave them winterization grants too when it got cold. Fantastic. Yeah, listen, it's something that those businesses have wanted for so long. And, you know, with COVID, it, it got done quickly. And it's nice to hear that you're supporting that effort. It's exciting. You know, you talked about street cleaning. What, what are some of the issues that the neighborhood's been facing lately that are most pressing? Well, we obviously, when the city initially cut back on its sanitation services, even though there were very few people, let, let me digress for just one second. This is a, a, unlike, I grew up in New York. So unlike a lot of neighborhoods in New York, this is not as much of a 24-7 neighborhood as say our, our neighbors in Soho or Tribeca or the village, because we only have about 15% residential here. Wow. So okay. when COVID hit, we really shut down. Mm. Uh, and frankly, the people who were living here were people of means, and many of them fled the city. So it was very desolate here. Nonetheless, when the city cut back on its sanitation services, we were sitting, seeing a lot of litter on the streets. 
Uh, and we were also seeing the other symptoms of a, of a sort of a neighborhood that felt abandoned. We were seeing graffiti, there was an increase in homelessness activity. So those kinds of things, the quality of life things really were, have been front and center for us during COVID. What are you seeing in terms of return to the office? You know, it's still the midst of summer. I think September is gonna be, you know, uh, a real telltale sign for the city, but what are you seeing in terms of return to office for the companies that are in your district? We, we have a couple of ways we measure it as well as the fact that we're, we're in the office and so we're observing it, but we measure it by uh, sort of pedestrian counts, subway turnstile counts, and mo probably most importantly, talking to the building managers in the office buildings and sort of triangulating all that data. I'm gonna give you a guess. Instead of using all that data, I'm going yeah. to say probably about 15% of people have returned to the office so far. So still a way to go. Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit about the now to normal campaign that the bid is developing. What we really, you know, there's not too much that a bid can do to bring people back to the office. I know everybody's trying, but the truth is it's a complicated decision. It's a personal decision. And most of all, it's a corporate decision. So we started thinking about what could we do to help with return to work. And we realized that the most important thing we can do is make sure that when people do put a toe in the water and come back to work, that they feel welcome, that they feel safe, that they feel joy in the neighborhood. You should feel happy to be back. I know we all felt happy when we first came back. It's like, yay, it's nice to yeah. be here again. Yeah, sure. So the Now to Normal campaign is trying to give people information about you know, who's doing takeout, who has outdoor seating, uh, who's open, what's going on, give people that sense of uh, just now to normal is really about giving them the information It includes newsletters that go out regularly and even emails, letting them know what their neighbors are doing and what's happening and, and giving them that sense of buzz. And so that's the, the now to normal campaign is basically about that. Then there's a physical manifestation of now to normal also, which is the the reconnect series, which is programming we have, and it's been catching on. We've been doing it since July. We're taking a little pause in August, but we have art exhibits and musicians and uh, an interactive draw card where people can do their own drawing in some of our open spaces. And we do that at lunch uh, one day a week. We do it in, uh, in the after work time another day a week, and we'll be expanding it to a third day a week in the in the fall. We also have some outdoor art exhibits. We've worked with the Urban Design Forum and uh, Hudson Square Properties to do a, a change King Street on Hudson Street into a, we, something called restorative ground. And it's an outdoor art exhibit that's interactive and fun. We just want to make this place read joyful. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so, you know, we mentioned that you've been in your role for quite some time and, you know, you're actually going to be stepping down relatively soon. So, Looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Well, I'm going to say something corny that my biggest accomplishment is my staff. And there's no question about that. That's a good accomplishment. It's not <laughs> easy to build a good team. It's a huge accomplishment. Um, in terms of the bid and all the relationships are, have been huge, but I have to say that the transformation is mind boggling. I went to our Reconnect series program a couple of weeks ago. Uh, which is in Spring Street Park on the corner of Sixth Avenue and Spring Street. And there were people, you know, having a good time, bopping to the music, sitting in the swivel chairs we'd installed, 
enjoying the shade of the trees that we planted. And I look back, I'm gonna get teary now for a second. I look back and I said, wow, we did this, we did this. And people are enjoying it and it's real, it's tangible and it's making a difference in people's lives. And corny as it all sounds, that's, that's really what I get the most pleasure from. Well, that's really terrific. I mean, so obviously somebody's going to take your role. There's also a new, you know, regime and city government coming in. What would you say are some of the the real challenges um, for your specific area or really, you know, items that need to be addressed? Well, of course, resources are going to be tight for a while. City resources are going to be tight. Our landlords are going to be trying to figure out what happens next with this very fragile retail environment. Mm. What do we do with the ground floor spaces? So working in a resource challenged environment is difficult. So the new person, um, and I wish him or her the best of luck. Uh, I leave them with my baby. So I feel very personal about it. Sure. Um, uh, the new person is going to have to get creative in finding ways to tap resources and finding ways to continue doing what we're doing. Uh, we may have to turn a little bit more to these quality of life issues and a little bit less to some of the long-term planning that we love so much. Uh, we have a new plan that's going to be coming out in September that sets the course for the, the next five to 10 years in Hudson Square. But again, in order to get anything done, you need the, I say resources, so fancy, money, you need the money. Small uh, detail, small detail. Right, exactly. Uh, I'm always, I've always been about getting stuff done. So much as I like to dream, uh, I'm really about getting stuff done. So getting stuff done is going to be hard and, and it's just so uncertain right now. And, and what if people don't come back to work full time? What if we end up having some sort of hybrid, which is what everybody seems to be touting? What does that mean in a neighborhood where the retail is almost complete, not completely, but is largely, I should say, dependent on the office workers? What yeah. does that mean for the retail? And if retail um, starts to fail, what does that mean for the ground floor environment of the city? We're, we're a walking, you know, sidewalk city. What happens if you start feeling vacancies along along the, the ground floor of buildings? And, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge. We'll see. I know New York is up for it, though. I'm positive. How, how are the existing retailers holding up? You know, better than we thought. I, I, did, I remember telling my staff about six or eight months ago, expect an apocalypse. We haven't had a retail apocalypse here. But I know it hasn't been easy. Are they larger companies that can you know, diversify across or is it that they've been creative or combination? I think a part of it is that the landlords have really worked with them to ease their rent burden. Mm. Um, you have some really terrific landlords here. So I think that's part of it. Uh, we have a combination of, I don't, not really chains, but sort of small chains like Dig In or I think they're Dig now. I think there's no more. Yep. And, uh, and places like that, you know, Pret, things like that, that are, I guess, Pret's a bit larger. But so some of those can withstand a little better. But um, we also have some independent restaurants, places like Hausman, Cafe Alto Paradiso, and they've just gotten very creative in what they do. And outdoor dining has been a real savior for the, for the restaurants. Is the future Disney headquarters in your district? Yes. Because that, I imagine, is going to bring uh, a tremendous amount of people to the area. Well, it's not only the future Disney headquarters in our area, but Google is, is, expand, is building a new headquarters type facility in our area. 
So uh, thanks. That's a good point. When you say yeah. what the future holds, it holds about 8,000 more workers mm. uh, than we had even at our height coming from Disney and Google. Disney is right in the center of Hudson Square. And so I think that's going to be very, a very different scene. They're rising out of the ground right now. Oh, wow. So it is starting. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear it's not yeah, held back. Well, that that hopefully will be a terrific boon to the future of, of the community, because typically when that comes, other things come as well. Yeah, I think the key here is that Disney, and I don't want to speak for them, but I, they've, they've said this in a, a video that we did, and they've said it numerous times publicly, but Disney said they're coming here to Hudson Square because they love the vibe, they love the culture. Mm. They love the whole feeling of the authentic New York culture and the sort of edgy culture uh, of, a, of a business district. So I think the trick is going to be for them to absorb that culture um, rather than overwhelm it. Uh, and I think they will. And I think Google is expanding here for similar reasons. Google's campus here is actually going to be almost as big as the one they have in Chelsea. It's going to have almost- Wow. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Unbelievable. Well, listen, it's, it's important, I think, for a neighbor to have strong anchors, and those certainly seem like ones that'll go quite deep. Yeah, we have great office anchors. We really do. And um, I think that will be something that will always keep the streets buzzing and thriving. And we have more and more residential going up. We had a, a rezoning back in 2013, which facilitated uh, residential coming into the area. So we have some beautiful residential buildings that have been built recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting to see, you know, children and people with baby carriages on the street. And, and we're becoming more and more 24-7 areas. So it, uh, we're going to be just fine. Well, that's terrific to hear. And I wish you the, the best of luck in your future. And thank you for leaving your stamp on the community. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you being with us, Ellen. My pleasure. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm-hmm.